just thank you for this day. Uh, we just want to raise a hallelujah to you. Lord, we want to praise you. We want to lift you up. Thank you for allowing us all to be here today, God. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, just li uh, lift you up today, Lord, and we would be able to praise you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Zip 
empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied. Nothing is better 
good morning, everybody. It's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Let's go to him in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're, uh, we're thankful that we can gather uh, in your house today uh, to get out of the chaos of the outside world for just a little bit, Father, to, uh, to rest in your glory here. Father, we, uh, we ask for your presence. Uh, we know you're here. We just, we just want you in our hearts. Um, Father, we just, uh, we just thank you that you love us uh, so much. Father, the, uh, the, the chaos of the outside world is just, it's overwhelming sometimes, and it's just good to be able to come and rest. Father, we ask you to be with Brother Darrell this morning as he brings your message, that uh, we can take that into our hearts uh, and take it out into a lost world to share that love of Jesus with somebody that may not otherwise know who he is. Father, we just thank you for loving us, and uh, we just uh, we just want to be uh, good servants for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Good morning again. Turn it with me if you're in in your Bible, Hebrews chapter seven. We'll finish the rest of the chapter seven this morning. Hebrews seven, twenty-three through twenty-eight. Hebrews 7, 23 through 28. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. If you like to use that, uh, some of the bottom half, if you're actually looking at your announcement, if you've got a hard copy of it, some of that toward the bottom, I'm actually going to just make mention of as we read the, the text and not deal with it on the outline so much. But here we go. Hebrews 7, 23 and uh, also the writer, that pastor in that day speaking to that church said also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. You know, it just, there were a lot of priests in that day because they're going to die and somebody has to replace. And so there were a lot of priests, they were prevented from continuing, you know, forever because of death. But he, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. And I'm going to concentrate a lot on verse 25 this morning. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. And I'm going to deal with that phrase. We'll come back to it. He, Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Now, catch this. this I'm going to make mention of this in, in a scripture at the end, and then we'll move on. Uh, come to God through him since... He always lives to make intercession for them, for us. He always lives to make intercession for them. What's that mean? That Jesus is praying for us. That Jesus is praying for you. That's what that means. That Jesus is praying for you. Okay? I want you to remember that. Always remember that. And recall that. Jesus is praying for you. For such a high priest was fitting for us. This is... This is Jesus, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those other high priests, to offer up, offer up sacrifices. He doesn't need to be doing this every year, every day, for, uh, for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once for all. When he offered up himself. So he doesn't have to be offering sacrifices every year, every day. He did it one time. We'll come back to that. He did it for, he didn't have to do it for himself because he didn't, did not need that. But he did it for us and he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. I'll show you one more verse out of Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse, verse 40. Of course, it's going to take us a while to get there, but this is a real, a real interesting verse. I'm just going to mention it here. And kind of in conjunction, and kind of like I said, I'm not going to deal with the last part of the, of the outline. I'm just going to mention it here and move on. Remember where we uh, drew attention to and focused on that phrase that Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. He, it's like he's urging you on. This is an odd verse, isn't it? 
And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's talking about the, he, the heroes of faith, those who have gone on, Moses, Abraham. There, when we get there, there's a long list of what we would call Old Testament saints. Some, sometimes we call them the heroes of, heroes of faith, those who have gone on bef, before us, talking about faith, and, and they were looking for the promises, and some of them, they didn't see them here in this earth, but there's an eternal promise. So anyway, they're in heaven now, for God has something better in mind for us He'd been talking about the heroes of faith. For God has something better in mind for us, and that's you. So that they, the heroes of faith he talks about in chapter 11, they would not reach perfection without us. They would not reach perfection without us. Have you ever seen that verse before? I know you have because you've read that. But did, did you ever catch that? That those who have gone on before us, those who are waiting in heaven for us, Everyone who's gone on before you who's waiting in heaven is waiting for you. Because they can't reach perfection or completion without you. You ever seen that before? They're waiting for you. Man, Jesus is praying for you. And you've got a whole bunch of people waiting for you. It's almost like it almost gives me the feeling. I don't know if you ever ran, ran track or anything like that. Uh, believe it or not, I used to do, do that. And believe it or not, I was actually fast at one time. It's been a long time ago. But if you ever run track and you turn the corner, turn the, turn the last co corner heading for the finish line and the crowd cheering, cheering you on, that's, that's how that feels. And I want you to know in verse 25, uh, verse 25, that Jesus is praying for you and that there are people waiting for you, okay? So you've got to finish this race. <laughs> you have to finish this race. All right. That's kind of how, where we're heading to. I want you to look at verse 25 again. I, I'm not necessarily going to put this on the screen. But that phrase, he is able to save to the uttermost, and if you're looking at your outline, uh, let's just go ahead and put that up there. To the uttermost. Now, most of the time, and I, not well, let me say me. When I read this, uh, a lot of times, or it's it just kind of the natural instinct of me, is to almost read that as as if it said he's able to save from the uttermost, like that he's able to save you no matter where you've been. No matter what you've done, no matter what your sin has been, no matter what your past has been, no matter what you've done, he's able to save you. That is absolutely true. Everything I said there, that is absolutely true. He is able to save you from the uttermost. But for me to, you know, to get that from God's word, I'd have to turn somewhere else. And there's a lot of other places to turn in scripture that you will get that thought. He is able to save you from the uttermost, from anything and everything that you've ever done. He's able to save you from that. But you can't go to Hebrews 7.25 to get that. Because that's not what it says. He, it's, the scripture says he's able to save you to the uttermost, not from. From is still true, but that's not what that verse says. It says he's able to save you to the uttermost. To is, is what's going on now and what will be. It uh, literally means, uh, stumbled on something here. Any, anyway, it means uh, completely or perfectly, to completion, finally, and I like the way one translation said this, for all time and eternity, for all time and eternity. <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, the most important point in your life was not really your birth, even though that's obviously pretty important. It is that point where time, which we're in now, meets eternity. And I don't care who you are, how rich you are, I don't care who you are, it doesn't matter what you are, what you've done, it doesn't matter what you do in the future, all of us are going to meet that point where time meets e 
where time meets eternity and where eternity starts and we live on. And two, the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, for all time and eternity, and we're not there yet. So this message is about two. And two is, is uh, the beginning of that word toward. So saving to the uttermost, what's that mean? We're not really talking about your past. Even though we tend, I do, tend to you know, look at it like it. No, no, we're talking about he saved you for something. He saved you to something. He saved you for what's next. I realize he saved you from your past. We already get that. But he saved you to something. And that's what I want you to see this morning. That Jesus saved me to something. He saved me towards something. And the race isn't over yet. I haven't reached that, that point yet. I don't know how far I've got to go. I don't have as far as I did. Of course I don't. But he's saving me towards something. He saved me towards something. And he did you too. There's something else for you to do. But first of all, if you're looking at your outline, we, I want to deal with, though, from, even though it's not in the text, but that's what we often think of, from, I want to deal with that before we can get on to, to. I, when I started pastoring, I didn't realize, I realized it in myself, how big a deal the past was. But I never, I never got it. I really didn't there for the first few years how important it is in people's lives, their past, and how much it holds them back. And I, I guess I kind of thought, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal, but it certainly is. It certainly is. And I've learned since then to never underestimate the power of the past. And that is what, and the only reason I'm going to deal with this because it's not what the text says. The text is about saving two. But I don't think we're ever going to get on to the to part, toward part, until we get past our past. And so just let's spend some time getting past our past so that we can move on. Two parts. The first part is what you have done. What you have done. We dealt with this quite a bit. I'm not going to do this extensively. But when we were in Hebrews chapter 6, the, the, the last part of 5 and then the first part of Chapter 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. For, for laying, uh, not laying again, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And we dealt, we dealt with that. We hammered away at that, at what you have done. Here's the thing. Everybody in the room, you know this, right? You've all sinned. All of you have. And those of you who are saying you haven't, you're doing it right now because you're lying. Okay, we've we've all sinned. There's nobody in the room who hasn't done that. We've all failed. We've all come short. We've all sinned. What you have done, some of the things you have done are wrong. Some of the things you have done are are sinful. It's getting past that. It's receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for what I have done. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. What's that mean? Look. When I come to Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that he is the Savior of my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he not only died for my sins, I think a very important part is he paid for my sins. He is the replacement of my sin. He took my sin upon himself. He died for me. He paid for that. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess that sin. We trust that Jesus has, has, uh, has did, pay for, pay for that sin. It's done. And in the text, he hints at that two or three times. He's not like some other priest who has to come again and, a, and a, again and again. He has... Uh, offered the sacrifice for your sin and my sin once. He doesn't need to do it again. So when I come to Jesus, Lord, I failed. Jesus, I sinned. I have. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it. It's done. It's done. What you have done, once you have confessed it to Jesus... It's done. 
Man, I'm struggling with that. I know you do. But that's where we work on. It's the discipline of faith in believing God's word and what Jesus has done and who he is and who you are and trusting in God's word that God means what he says and that if we confess our sins, he's going to forgive us our sins and move on. And move on. And that's what this whole point is. The only reason we're even going to talk about the past, deal with the past, is to get past it and move on. So, whatever it is, okay, now I want to deal with this right now. Really, I'm going to, I'm going to try to say this and move, move on. Some of you are walked into a house this morning, into God's house this morning, and you're struggling with a, with a sin. I get that. We all get that. We just don't, you know, talk about that much. But you're struggling with a sin. Now, I, want, I need you to listen to me right here. Some of you walked into God's house this morning. You're struggling with a recurring sin. I understand that. Everybody in the room does. It's not okay, though. All right. I, I, I don't want you to leave in here thinking, oh, that's no big deal. It certainly is a big deal. It costs Jesus his life. That's why it's a big deal. Yes, it, it, it is a big deal. But it's not insurmountable. It's not incurable. It's not unpayable. <laughs> he did pay for it. Okay, all right, you walked into God's house this morning. You're struggling with a, a particular sin, a recurring sin. You're in the middle of the sin. You can't seem to break loose of that sin. I want you to, I want you to make a decision right now where you're at this morning. I'm going to break loose of that sin. I'm done with that sin. I'm repenting of that sin. I'm done with it. Well, I've done that before. Good. You're going to do it again now. All right. This morning is that decision in your life. I'm not going to leave God's house the same way I came. I'm making a decision right now. I am not going to leave God's house the same way I came. I'm making a decision about my sin. I trust who Jesus is. I believe what he did for my sin. And I'm going to receive it this, this morning by faith. I believe he's going to help me through it. And he has forgiven me. When I leave God's house this morning, I'm moving on to the next thing toward something else I'm done with that old past I'm moving on to something else but you're never going to do that until you have that time where you make that decision I'm done with it I want that time to be right now I want that time to be right now I want it to be before the altar call I want you to be sitting in your seat right now saying that preacher is preaching to me I'm done with it I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Jesus has forgiven it. So, preacher, move on. That's what we're going to do. Move, move on to something else. What you have done, he's forgiven it. So move on. Move on. That's what we're going to do. Right? Right. Okay. Let's go on to the next thing. That's one thing. What you have done. The next one. What others have done to you. what others have done to you. You're going to have to move on. This is uh, different. I don't know it's tougher. I don't know. Depends on who you are. Depends on when I talk to, to you. But what others have done to you. Uh, what you have done to others and what others have done to you. And learning to forgive and learning to move on. Learning to uh, kind of the opposite side of that coin, but in the, in the classic 12-step 12 12 recovery, one of the steps is making amends. And I realize that's, that's what you've done to others, but I want to deal with that in just a second. One of the steps, I don't, don't, I don't recall which one, one of the steps is making amends where you go back and you, you try to make, um, make amends with what you've done to others, uh, make it right, whatever. I realize that sometimes you can do that, and sometimes you can't. It's kind of odd for a preacher to say, but I'm going to say it. Not everything can be fixed, and, and experience has taught me that. Not everything can be fixed. And, and, this, and let me add a caution to you before you do it. You can say things. To people and they'll never recover from it they'll never forget that you said it be careful what you say 
Say, well, they ought to forget. They ought, yeah, they should, but this isn't, about, this, this, this isn't about should and ought to. This is reality. You can say things and, and, and do things they'll never recover from. They'll never, there's probably not a, a person in the room who doesn't remember something that your parents said forever. You can't get it out of your head. And your parent may not even remember that they, they said it. So be careful what you say. Not everything can be fixed. Not everything can be made right. But it's the struggle to go back and do the best you can. Okay, the other side of that coin is people have done things to you. People have said things to you. Your parents have said things to you when you were small or whatever. Your teachers at school may have said things. All right, whatever it is. And you just can't forget it. But so moving on from what others have, have done to you. This may seem strange, but I go through this in my own life, and this I've learned from experience too. When others, others have done things to me that were wrong, and there's, there's no way around it. I just, I'm not just imagining it. What they said was wrong, what they did was, was wrong. I may go back and talk to them about that, but it may not ever be made right. You need to listen here. It may not ever be made right. And I've, I've, I've found this, one of the reasons why, is because we are so entirely, incredibly different as people. The last two years in the pandemic and all that mess, it just really drove home to me how very extremely different we are. And we just see things entirely differently. And I can't explain that. I, I look at some of you, I think, are you on planet Earth? Can you, you know, but it's, we are just, we look at things and we are so entirely different sometimes. And people can do things and say things to you and it really offended you and it really hurt and maybe it should, but they don't see it that way. How can they not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but they just don't. I've dealt with this so much I deal with this in my own life and in other people's lives well if I go back to that person and talk to him and try to make it right you, you probably should but I'm telling you that's not always going to work well it should I know it should but we're not talking about should and ought we're talking about the reality not everything can be made right there's some people I could go and talk to who have greatly offended me by what they've done and what they said. And I promise you, if I go talk to them and mention it to them, they're going to look, look at me and say, what? What are you talking about? I don't remember saying that. Isn't it odd how we can lose sleep at night and be just, just torn up by something somebody said? And, and lo losing sleep and making us sick about it. And it's what somebody said and it's what somebody did. And you know what? They don't even remember it. That's, what, that's maddening, isn't it? They don't even remember it. It's such a big deal to us, but it's not a big deal to them at all. At all. Isn't that crazy? You don't remember what you said? No, I don't. You don't remember what you did? No, I don't, I don't remember that. It has made me so mad over these years and you don't even remember it. No, I don't. It's like we're not even all from the same planet, but people are so different. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Some things you're just going to have to forgive, okay? It's not ever going to be made right. You're just going to have to forgive and move on. Well, I'm waiting on them. Don't wait on them. See, that's, that's what you're doing. You're waiting on them to make it right. You're waiting on them to remember what they said. You're waiting on them to apologize. You're going to be waiting until time meets eternity, and it's still not going to happen. You're going to wait your life away. This isn't saved from the uttermost. This is saved to. And what this message is about is moving on to the next thing, towards something else. But you're going to have to get over the past. But I'm waiting on them. Stop waiting on them. 
You forgive them right where they're at. You forgive them right where they are. You forgive them without them asking for forgiveness. This is about you moving on. I don't know that they're ever going to. I don't know that they're ever going to. But that's them. This message isn't about them. This message is about you. And sometimes you're just going to have to frankly forgive. And Jesus gives a, speaks a parable to Simon the Pharisee when he's in Simon's house. And it's about foot washing, the woman who came up and washed Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, there were two, there were two men who owed a creditor. Two men who owed a creditor. One owed a lot. One owed a little. But neither had with which to pay. What's that? Neither had anything to pay. What's it really matter how much you owe if you don't have anything to pay with? One owed a lot. One owed a little. But neither had anything to pay with. Neither could pay. Neither could pay. One had really messed up. One had messed up just a little bit, but they both messed up enough that they owed. But they didn't have anything to pay with. And the creditor, frankly, forgave them both. Because they didn't have anything to pay with. And some of the people who have done things to you don't have anything to pay with. Some of them don't even remember that they owe you. And some of them can't make it right even if you talk to them about this. Because they don't have anything to pay with. So what is the only option left? You must frankly forgive them. Man, that's easier said than done. I know it is. I'm right there with you. But it's coming to the place in, in my life and your life where we, that's what I need to do. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Now, now who, pay, who, uh, who pays the debt when that happens? When, when somebody is frankly forgiven of, of, a, of a debt, who pays it? The creditor does. Who paid your debt? Jesus did. Jesus did. So when you forgive and, and they don't even know they did it or, or they don't have any way to pay you back, or you're forgiving them. You're carrying it because you're moving on. You're moving on. That, the weight of unforgiveness is dragging you down. And you're not able to move on to the next thing, okay? Uh, in, I've got a note to, uh, in verse 27 that we, uh, I ask you to make or pay attention to. This he did once for all when he offered up himself. That's exactly what I want you to see. Jesus offered himself up. The other priests offered up bulls and goats, and Jesus offered up himself. He paid the debt. When we forgive, that's what it amounts to. Is you have to are you willing to do that in order to move on? I've had to come to that point in my life often. I, look, these people, they don't even know what they did. They don't have any, but I, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living in unforgiveness. I'm tired of being drugged down by it. I'm ready to move on. All right. Replacement discipline. Here's the key to it. Moving on. That's all been about the past. It'd be easy for me to say, oh, just forgive. Just forget about it. Can you do that? Remember when I did this a few weeks ago? I want you right now to not think of the color red. Okay, just stop it. Do not think of the color. I want you to not think of the, of the color, the number four, the color four. I want you to not think of the color four. I want you to not think of the number red. Okay, I want you to just stop thinking about it. What, you can't do that. And you can't just stop thinking about it. So what do you do? Replace it. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, you know, he talks about peace. He said, now... In verse 8, he said, Now, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of, of good report, you know how this ends. Think about those things. 
think about those things. So we're going to stop thinking about what others have done to me. We're going to stop thinking about what I've done, what others have done to me, and we're going to move on to other things. It's not that we just can stop thinking about it. It's we're replacing it. Replacement discipline. I'm tired of living in the past. I'm tired of being drugged down by the past. I'm moving on to what's next. So I'm doing that intentionally. Okay, uh, Isaiah talking to God. Isaiah and God in the conversation. Isaiah says, you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind mind is stayed on them. So it's thinking on to the next thing. It's getting past the past, moving on to what's next. Replacement theory, replacement di discipline. It's not that you just stop thinking. It's that you're thinking about what's next. Okay, I want to use this as an analogy, and I want you to take this little thing in my life, and I want you to apply it to you. Okay, here we go. A few weeks ago, the point is, I don't really remember when, I preached a message. I think it was one of the worst I've ever preached in my life. I don't remember the message, though, okay? Now, it's not just me lo losing my mind. There's a, there's a point here. But a few weeks ago, and it's not that the message is bad. God doesn't give me messages that are bad. I did a bad job of presenting it. It bothered me. I mean, I had a hard time getting o over that. I mean, I, struck, I thought, man, you don't know how many times I'll leave the church house, and if you can't preach any better than that, it's time for you to just quit. I guarantee you on that day, that's how I felt. I just did the worst, one of the worst jobs I think I've ever done. Felt terrible. What I had done, my, you know, in that, by that time, passed. Now, Here's the point I want to make. I'm going to do it this way. I really don't, don't remember how many weeks ago it was, and I can't remember the message, and here's why. Let's just pretend that it was last week. Okay, let's just say it was last week. The thing about that is, by Tuesday, here's how this works. By Tuesday of every week, every week, I send a text to Lindsay uh, saying, okay, I think the message is going to, the message that's going to be, the one coming up next, I think it's going to be this, and this is the text I'm going to use. And I do that so she can begin to pick out songs. So by Tuesday, by about noon, that's kind of the deadline that I set for myself, Tuesday about noon, I need to kind of know what I'm going to preach next, and I send that text to her. And so she can be thinking about songs. So when the band practices on Wednesday night, they can, you know, work on songs. Okay, that's by Tuesday noon. Wednesday night, I've got a small group to teach. Okay, so, and then uh, last Wednesday night, a couple of the guys asked me some que questions about some things. And so I've got a lot to do. But so anyway, Wednesday night, I've got a small group to teach. Thursday noon, I've got a small group to teach. Then Thursday afternoon, I try to do it by Thursday afternoon, I send out an email that's got the announcements and the outline to the message I'm going to preach next, okay? So I've got to get all that done. All right, do you understand why I really can't remember the message that I messed up on? And I really can't remember exactly when it was? Why can't... Why doesn't that still consume me? Why isn't it still bothering me, the things that I've done wrong and the, thing, the, the mistakes that I've made? Why? Because I've got to move on to the next thing. Now, I'm not sure how the message is going this morning. I really don't know. And I'll think about it probably all afternoon. Well, you should have done that. You should have said that. You messed up there. Well, of course I did. So I, I'm, I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably struggle with this all afternoon, but you know what? Tuesday noon is on the way, okay? By Tuesday noon, I have to forget this and move on to the next thing. And then next Wednesday night, or this Wednesday night, I've got to answer some questions that I just really, I really don't know. I've got a lot to do to get ready for Wednesday night. 
And then I've got the Thursday noon thing. And then Thursday afternoon, I've got to send out an email that's got the announcements and the outline for the message next week. You, did any of you pay attention to the title? I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't have time to struggle with the past. Why? Because I'm moving on to the next thing. That's why. I don't have time to think about the past. Why? Because I'm moving on to the next thing. I have to. I'm going to tell you, I have to. The only thing that keeps me halfway sane is the fact that I've got to move on to the next thing. I could be just like a lot of other people that I deal with. I could be just, just bowed down and, and uh, just uh, obsessed with what I've done wrong and what others have done to, to me. I could just dwell on that and think about that, but I choose not to. And that's what all of this is. Replacement discipline is choosing to not remember the past. It's choosing to, to, to not uh, obsess about the past, but move on to the next thing. I have to do that. I have to. And I choose to. So I'm moving on to the next thing. Here's the thing. God's called all of us to something. All of us. This is what I do. But God's called all of us to something. And you're forgetting that. You're not moving on to the next thing because you're dwelling on the last thing. I'm not kidding you. I looked in my desk drawer this morning for this pair of glasses right here. There they are in my desk drawer. They're laying on top of something that reminds me of somebody who we had tried to reach for years. And it reminds me of somebody that we had tried to reach for years. They haven't been to church for years. We work with them. We tried. We and that just, when I saw that this morning, that just broke my heart because of we tried, we worked. They had, they've, just, they've, just, they've just given up. When I looked at that, and I looked at that, and I thought, I could dwell on that. But you know why I can't? Because it was about 8 o'clock this morning. I'm getting my glasses out, and i got to get ready for you. Okay? I can't dwell on that, even as heartbreaking as it is, because I've got to get ready for you. They haven't been to church for years, but you're sitting right here. Okay? Now, I've got a choice to make. I can sit there and cry about who decided to not come, or I can do everything I can to reach those who do come and reach those who, who are here. And I want to reach those who are here. Now, I'm not ever going to give up on who's not here, ever. But they're not here, and you are. I don't want you to ever give up on, on whoever but there's something that Jesus has called you to, next, toward, someone else, something else. It's time to get up and go to them, to that. And the replacement discipline, let that replace the past. I'm going to ask you to stand. The musicians come. Musicians already knew what they were going to sing because we worked on this and they picked it out. So we're ready. This is our prayer time. I'm going to ask you to bow your head if you would with me. Pastor, you don't know how I'm struggling with my past. Well, I, I don't. But I know what struggling with past feels like. I, I sure do. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not in your shoes. But I know the answer is always the same. That Jesus has saved you to something. And you're going to have to trust him to forgive you for what you've done. And you're going to have to trust him to forgive those who have wronged you. And here's the big one. And you're going to have to forgive those who have wronged you. Frankly, forgive them. You pay the debt. 
and now you're ready to move on. You're ready to move on to whatever it is, to whoever it is that God is calling you to. We're going to have our prayer time. If you need to come and talk to Jesus about anything, if you need to come and, and say to him, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to move on from my past. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. If you just need to come and talk to him because you're struggling with that, Lord, I need help. I want to. I'm trying to, but I need help. I, I know how that feels. Lord, I'm trying to, but I need help. I need, I need you to help me move on to the next thing. While they play and, and sing, we invite you to come and pray. You just pour your heart out to the Lord in, in any way you choose to. But while they play and sing, if you need to come and want to come to an altar of prayer, we invite you to come. Savior needs me. Who am I to ask beside? Could I doubt his tender mercy?
All the way my Savior leads me.